1: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan.
2: Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay.
1: Hello. And I Hello. Was, I want to say that our intro, uh, Joe Paisley killed it on the intro. I know. You know it's, it's so good. It I, still
2: freaks me mm-hmm, out.
1: I still like uh, watching it every week. And it's been you know, over a year now, and
2: I'm like, ah, oh, I like it. I, I like not watching it.
1: I just like that it gets me in a good creepy mood.
2: <laughs> it does. I say the do you say the um the incantation?
1: Uh, uh no, I just but I, I don't mm. say along with it. Mm. I do. Nice. Uh happy new year to uh to Ay-yi-yi-yi-yi. everybody. It's Can you crazy. We've it? we nah. freaking
2: made it. <laughs> I know. By for the t- better or worse, we here we are.
1: <laughs> By the time many of you hear this, it will be twenty twenty one. Uh recording this in twenty twenty. Well the episode comes out in twenty twenty. At the very tail end. Uh Yeah, the incredibly eventful year of 2020 will be over. Uh
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh, whatever that means.
1: Let's resolve to uh, not have another pandemic in 2021. Okay. Let's let's all make that resolution.
2: Sure, sure, I'll be sure not to start it.
1: (laughs) Also, been a long time since we explained what this show is about, uh... A long time, over six months at least. Pretty simple for new listeners. Yeah. Uh, you know, I find and share supposedly true paranormal tales, uh, all different kinds. Mm-hmm. Claims of demonic possessions, oppressions, exorcisms, poltergeists, shadow people, black-eyed children, creepy cryptid encounters with monsters like skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Terror-based folklore stories from around the world like The Legend of the Bunny Man. Right. The eight-foot-tall woman. Mm-hmm. po poe. Oh. Stop.
2: Uh <laughs> that uh, one's still. I know That's gets me. Especially creepy for some it reason. Is.
1: Uh supposed alien abductions and sightings. Uh anything and just about everything that can be scary and yeah, maybe th- and maybe also not real.
2: I think you covered it all. Yeah, yeah. I think you named every last one.
1: <laughs> no true crime unless it happens to line up with ghost possessions, etc. Uh scared to death is the sharing of campfire horror tales mm-hmm. uh, where, you, where you need to suspend some disbelief to get into them. Enjoy being scared. Uh, these aren't stories I think for sure happened. They're stories we think maybe happened. Mm. Uh, and even, you know, if one, if just one of them is true, like we used to say, you know, in the beginning more, uh, the world is a lot more mysterious and perhaps uh, more terrifying. Yeah. Than a lot of people want to believe.
2: That, that sounds right.
1: And, and, and I tell my horror tales uh, two a week typically to my wife and co-host, Lindsay. Hi. I try to scare the hell out of her.
2: Which generally you do,
1: and then starting just a few months into the show, uh, she started telling me supposedly uh, true ta- tales of paranorm- paranormal terror. A lot of teas there, <laughs> T- or not even teas, paranormal. It's just an odd rhythm. Paranormal. Terror. My mouth just made a weird noise. Did you hear that? <laughs> I did that little squeak. <laughs> what was uh, the, 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 <laughs> the listener said in creeps and peepers. and she tries to scare the hell out of me, and she has done that numerous times.
2: Yeah, yeah the the fan stories oftentimes mm-hmm. have a certain element to them. That I can never quite put my finger on that scare me more. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's that one degree of separation kind of feeling where it's like this person feels so real to me because they've sent me this email. Right. Even though I've never met them. I've never, in some instances, I don't I don't know who they are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it really adds a certain level of like.
1: Eek! Mm-hmm. And I love how they rounded out the show. I love how we have you know people who listen mostly for your stories. You mm-hmm. know the, the listener stories. Well, people who I mean, mostly you listen. <laughs> people who mostly listen for the beginning. It's just it's all. No
2: one's listening for the beginning.
1: Oh jeez! This all... is
2: going to be twenty twenty one. It's going to mm-hmm. become a solo podcast.
1: It's just going to be Lindsay telling. It's okay, be
2: me. all right. Okay,
1: I'll go hang out. On Absolutely the... not. I'll go fish. Uh, <laughs> no,
2: can't do it alone
1: No, but I but I love that, you know, uh, it's, it's become a very cool thing and I yeah. love that we have this great community now behind it with mm-hmm. the Facebook group Creeps and Peepers keeps growing and, and a little bit of terminology, again, if you're new, so you don't have to, you're like, what, why do they keep saying Creeps, Peepers?
2: Yeah, yeah. you can fast forward to if you're like, I know all this yeah, stuff Yeah, this will just
1: take a second, and then we'll get to the previews and right into it uh, cre- Creeps are people who can't get enough horror People who can watch a good horror movie by themselves, uh, alone in the basement, still sleep just fine that night Peepers are those who do watch and listen to and or read horror, but then end up sleeping with the lights on. That's me. The cover's pulled up over their heads. But, Literally. <laughs> but they keep coming back for more. They, they like what also scares the shit out of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Darren's, haven't talked about Darren's in a long while.
2: Oh, Darren.
1: Darren's are people who claim to be terrorized by something paranormal, and instead of doing anything to help themselves and get away from it, they keep just doubling down and making it worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. So don't be a Darren.
2: Don't be a Darren. And that's Scared to Death. That's it.
1: Uh, So if you're new, uh, we hope you like it. And if you are not new, we hope you keep sticking around.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Please don't leave.
1: How many stories do you have? You said you have three? Yeah, I
2: actually have three today. I have a possible attachment of sorts Okay. that was really interesting, has a um, particularly like, huh, kind of ending. Okay. And then a odd, very odd doppelganger story. Oh,
1: we haven't had one of those in a little while.
2: I know. And this one... It has a twist to it that I have yet to ever hear, so okay. I'm really intrigued by it. And then the third story is, oh, dear. Uh, oh, oh uh, sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. you
1: said it was a uh, very unusual sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I what I found with the stories this week is that all three of them are things that maybe we've heard before, mm-hmm. but all have a little twist to them that okay. make you think, huh, huh, okay, maybe I hadn't thought about that angle before.
1: Cool, cool. Looking forward to hearing those. Yes, I have, as usual, two. No old-timey horror fiction, no uh, Victorian uh, stories this week.
2: No these and thous?
1: No. Uh, Both recent tales of encounters. The first was reported by various news outlets earlier this year, early in 2020. Uh, It went down um, over uh, uh, a few weeks, a supposedly haunted doll that really didn't want to leave a Texas family's home
2: yikes
1: shorter tail and then uh no date assigned to the second story posted online feels pretty recent Mm -hmm. possibly very haunted college uh dorm hall oh okay and uh i'm afraid if i give anything else away it'll just kind of uh spoil it so i won't okay pretty involved
2: you know you know that recent story we had of the woman in like the tacoma area Yes, I got an email from someone who thinks that they might work with her.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that got that got. Uh, yeah, that great. I think Louisa the Atlantic wrote that big piece about it.
2: Muscovitz,
1: Muscovitz. Mu- yeah, Muscovitz. I can't, what was her first name? I can't remember. But yes, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, over in yeah, the, the Just, Tacoma area.
2: Yeah, when you said c- current, I immediately thought of her because that's mm-hmm. so, that story. That's the story. I think that you're right about our name too. Yeah, yeah, that
1: is the one that really got you. Yeah, if
2: you didn't listen to that one, I mean, obviously, we think all the episodes are great, but that was a recent episode, just in mm-hmm. the past few weeks, that really, yay, yay, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that, yeah, that was interesting to have such a contemporary exorcism, and, and also be located near us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The the person that's supposedly going through some kind of demonic oppression. Yeah. You, you ready for our first tale?
2: I'm ready. I've got my fuzzy socks on. So, I've got, cute. Today I've got like some pink. Are they penguins? Maybe.
1: I don't know what they are Mm. I'll say penguins, sure
2: they're very cute
1: like a rave penguin and also
2: they're pointing at my fancy candle that I'm burning this week Mm -hmm. Uh, a fan who makes these mm, candles that are like for protection or setting good intentions you're supposed to burn it until it burns out to bring your intentions to fruition but uh, candle candle magic by Kelsey candles by Kelsey candle magic you you said candle magic candle magic by Kelsey nice (laughs) so thanks Kelsey
1: all right, so here we go. This uh, a little Again, a little bit of setup here. Uh, on Christmas of 2013, a little girl in Houston was gifted a doll. Uh, the same doll tens of thousands of other kids got that Christmas, an Elsa doll from the incredibly popular Disney animated film Frozen. Oh, boy. Frozen had only come out just a month before, on November 23rd, and was, as we all know now, a massive hit, uh, spawning tons and tons of merchandise. Really? I'd never heard of it. <laughs> we bought an Elsa doll for our daughter, Monroe, Uh, She's embarrassed by it now, but she was a huge Elsa fan.
2: Uh I
1: used to hear her singing Let It Go uh, in her room by herself. Pretty (laughs) adorable. (laughs) Like so many other kids, she had lots of Frozen dolls uh, across the country. Hundreds of thousands of Elsa and Anna dolls lined the shelves of department stores. And it's possible, based on what's been alleged, that Emily Madonia, uh, much like little Andy's mom Karen in the 1988 doll horror movie uh, Child's Play, picked the very worst doll of them all to give to her daughter, Aurelia. Uh, at first, all was well. Aurelia unwrapped Elsa, uh, squealed with delight, hugged her mom and dad, and then she and her new doll were inseparable. Uh huh. The doll recited phrases from the movie. It sang, let it go, uh, when a button on its necklace was pressed, just like it was supposed to. And then it started to do things it was not supposed to do. Time now for the tale of friend till the end. For over two years, the Elsa doll spoke and sang songs in English, as was advertised. Then in 2015, the doll began alternating between English and Spanish, which the Madonias found a bit odd. Uh, First off, the doll had literally never done that before, not in two years of use. And, much stranger, this version of the doll hadn't been advertised as a Spanish-speaking doll. The Madonia family thought that maybe there had been a mix-up at the factory, Maybe some setting just had uh, never been accidentally changed in the first two years their daughter Aurelia played with a doll. Or maybe some wire had gotten knocked loose. Maybe that was why it now alternated between English and Spanish. Maybe. But But Emily still didn't like it. She found the timing of it suspicious. Two years after receiving it, when it started, Aurelia was just starting to leave Elsa and her other dolls behind for other hobbies like playing sports. She was starting to grow up. She didn't want to play with dolls like she used to. Emily wondered if this had somehow motivated the doll to change. The doll kept speaking in Spanish and English uh, for uh, about another four years, six years after they bought it. It would also randomly speak and sing when no one was near it. And then one day, tired of listening to it, Emily picked up the doll to turn it off. And she got the chills when she saw that it was already turned off. And this was just last year, in 2019, when this happens. I see your... you look concerned. Over, so 2013. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm
2: freaked out that she picked it up and it was off.
1: Yeah. So she, yeah, she picked it up. It was off. Possibly more concerning when she opened the doll. She realized that almost six years after first bringing it home, still running on the same batteries that they put inside it uh, before wrapping it for Christmas, thinking there was no way the batteries could last that long. She put the battery in a TV remote to test them. Totally dead. Oh, no. Now she's freaked out. She had a bilingual doll. That was only supposed to speak English, a doll that spoke whether or not anyone touched the button on the necklace, a doll that spoke whether or not it was turned on, and a doll that had been speaking with no working batteries. After the battery test, Emily decided to finally toss the doll out. Mm -hmm. The only reason she hadn't thrown it away already was because her daughter was sentimentally attached to it. She had her husband, Matt, throw it in the trash. Again, that was a year ago, uh, back in December of 2019, a few weeks later. Emily was digging through some stuff stored in the attic. She was sorting through stuff she hadn't touched in years. Uh-uh. And what does she find? Uh-uh. Elsa. Damn it. She heard her talking, now speaking only in Spanish. The doll was inside a wooden bench she oh my had. God. Now she's really creeped out. She asks Matt, the rest of the family, if someone's pulling some sort of prank on her. Everyone denies it. Her kids swear up and down they hadn't gone to get the doll from the trash. Uh, she thought if someone had run up to the attic to hide it, uh, that she would have heard them. She would have loved to have been able to tell herself that someone else had just bought one of the same Elsa dolls, but she claims that this doll she finds has the exact same marks on it that her daughter had given it. She'd colored next to it when she first got it and, you know, stained it with some little coloring markers. Emily and Matt throw it away again now. Emily watches this time as her husband Matt tightly wraps it up in a garbage bag, then puts that garbage inside another garbage bag. Then they throw the doll away in a trash can outside just before the garbage is collected. Buried in a bunch of other trash, Emily wheels the garbage can to the curb herself on collection day, oh watches it get dumped into the you know garbage truck and taken away. It's gone. Definitely, definitely gone. Emily and her family then travel for Christmas, visiting relatives in another state. And when they come back home, they find out that Elsa has also come back home.
2: Motherfucker.
1: That night, Emily posts on Facebook, Okay, guys, seriously, we need help. To recap, for those of you who have not been following our Elsa doll saga, saga, Matt threw it away weeks ago, and then we found it inside a wooden bench. Okay, so we were weirded out and tightly wrapped it in its own garbage bag, put that garbage bag inside another garbage bag filled with other garbage, put it in the bottom of our garbage can underneath a bunch of other bags of garbage, wheeled it to the curb, and it was collected on garbage day. Great, right? We went out of to- town, forgot about it, Today, Aurelia says, Mom, I saw the Elsa doll again in the backyard. Oh, my God. Chills, help us get rid of this haunted doll. People on Facebook, obviously skeptical. Some wonder whether it was the same doll. Maybe, again, someone's pulling a prank. Emily knows it's the same doll. Again, it still has those marker stains from when her daughter colored on it, you know, years earlier. The family decides now to make one last attempt to get the doll out of their house. They mail it to a family friend in Minnesota. Okay. The doll is received by Chris Hogan, who shares a final update on his Facebook. Uh, Now for the rest of the story he posts. She made it to Minnesota and is taped to the brush guard of my Jeep. (laughs) If anything weird happens, I'm welding her into a steel pipe and sinking it into the lake of the woods. Now, should he really taunt it like this? Should he treat it like a joke, leave this doll taped to his brush guard, or should he burn it? Should he burn it and then put the ashes inside the steel pipe and toss that in the lake? What if he's making it angry? What if the doll returns again to the Madonias? What if Emily or her daughter wake up to hearing the sounds of small footsteps? Or wake up to see a small Elsa-shaped shadow on the other side of the bedroom waiting, watching, maybe getting ready to strike? Emily Madonia also posted that the doll—this is super creepy— Laughed for 30 seconds straight as she was putting it in the box to mail to her friend in Minnesota. What? She says in over six years, it had never, ever made that sound before. Oh, buddy. She also told a reporter at KPRC, a Houston NBC affiliate, if the doll comes back, I might have to open my mind to more supernatural solutions. She said she kept trying to rationalize the whole thing as not being paranormal, but eventually couldn't do that any longer. She told a reporter, most logical thinkers believe it's a prank, but I don't understand how or when it was done, especially because the garbage truck had taken it away. After her story made the local news in Houston, uh, after more skeptics messaged her saying that there was no way her doll could be cursed or possessed, she posted again on Facebook. Either the doll is haunted or some crazy psychopath has dug the doll out of the garbage that was already taken away and broken into my house multiple times. I am going to go with the haunted thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember if it's my story. I think it's actually this week's bonus episode. Yeah. Uh about there's something about taunting spirits, about oh. like you may not want to do that. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I would just burn that fucking thing. I don't know what they're waiting for.
1: She I there was a I, I didn't include it in the story, but she addressed why she hadn't burned it cuz okay, apparently why? she got those messages. Just because, like uh, that fear of the unknown of like, what if whatever is inside this thing she lets out?
2: Mm-hmm. That was
1: that was her her rationale for not burning it.
2: Okay, I would maybe try. Okay, I I can wrap my head around that. I might even actually feel the same way in that moment because it's mm-hmm. easy to say when it's not happening to you, like oh, just do this, do that. Mm-hmm. But if that was one of the kids' toys from their childhood, oh my God, I'm thinking of like little Pandy that Monroe yeah. had her whole life. Yeah, if something like it would be so hard to burn it. Yeah, right. The sentimental value mm-hmm. plus the fear of what would happen would I release it. So what I think I would do is I would take it and I would put it in some sort of container yeah, and then wait it and throw it into the bottom of the lake. Because uh, if it comes back after that. Well, like
1: the one guy, like the uh, the guy in Minnesota was going to put it like a, uh, in, a in a pipe, in like a lead pipe. In well, him, he said and,
2: if it gives him any if, trouble. If, if,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be waiting for the if. I would just do it. Uh, maybe he wants to see something.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe he's a true creep.
1: hmm A uh, few pictures. This is a picture of the doll as, as, as it was allegedly found in the backyard after being thrown away the second time. Uh So they come home from their Christmas, you know, vacation, and there's the doll waiting in the yard.
2: It just would be so different if the <laughs> doll had been, like, on the top of the garbage and maybe the garbage right. person. I was going to say maybe the garbage person saw it, but honestly, I mean, I know the way our garbage yeah, is it now. Yeah, just
1: gets dumped in.
2: Yeah, it's no longer, like, two dudes on the back of a truck right. getting out and throwing things. It's just a mechanical arm. Yep. Yep. So, that somehow makes it even creepier.
1: Yeah, because then it gets dumped into just a giant truck of so just, much other garbage, no yeah, one's going to go in there. it just goes to landfill. Uh, here's another picture of the doll, uh, close-up. I mean, yeah. it does look... Very creepy. A little creepier when you look at it closer. hmm Of course, that's not Elsa. That's uh, that's 1991's Dolly Dearest. Um <laughs> One more picture of the actual doll. This is a very
2: creepy doll. I know. Because it's like an old lady face. Yeah. And not old lady, but older.
1: Now, this is a picture of Emily holding Elsa, just to give it, you know, uh, some scale. Yeah. Just to show that little thing. Looks, I mean, looks like a just, you know, normal frozen toy.
2: I've always thought those dolls are creepy because of their giant eyes. Remember those Mm. Bratz dolls? I do, yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah, the weird proportions.
2: Yeah, it just always freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Monster High, all of them.
1: The Uncanny Valley effect, you know, they look kind of called? human, but mm-hmm. not human, and it just like messes with our brains,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is why, you know, uh, doll outside of paranormal, the Uncanny Valley effect does explain why a lot of people are creeped out by dolls, because mm-hmm. they're human-ish looking, yeah, yeah. which is just inherently kind of creepy.
2: Did I tell you about, I don't know if we talked about it here, uh, we were at Target getting things for the giving tree. Mm -hmm. And we were walking down the doll aisle, Monroe Mm -hmm. and I, Mm -hmm. because we had like a little kid that we were shopping for, you know, like infant child, right? And it butts up to the baby doll section and there's a baby alive. And every time (laughs) Uh. you walked past it, it would start crying. Uh. And so Monroe and I are here and over here is like the electronics video game section. And there's a target worker over there. And every time we walk by it, I'm kind of like, ugh, and he goes, I know that doll is creepy, right? And I was like, "It is." Oh, you did tell me this. Yeah, yes, but, tell, but I yeah. love it. Yes. And so I was like, "I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's so weird. Is that doll like motion sensitive?" And he's like, "It's not supposed to be." I'm like, "Well, it certainly fucking is." Like, I'm losing it in Target, and he goes, "Yeah, you should be here at night when we turn off all the lights and we're leaving, and then you hear that doll laughing." Weird. And I was like, "Oh, buddy, I'm like, you need to take ah. that off the shelf and burn it." And he was so funny. He says. I'm going to write that up as a customer request because he was was so freaked out. I mean, his eyes were like out of his head because clearly he is by that doll, like just across from it all day. And he said it would just go off randomly. Funny. Which could be faulty batteries. It could be, you know, when you get those kinds of toys, they have that little like plastic tab Mm -hmm. to take it out of um, store mode or test mode. But could you imagine being in Target, a giant big box store? It's dark. The lights are off. And then you just hear change my diaper or whatever the stupid things are. <laughs> right,
1: right. Ah, like
2: little like baby giggle. I forgot
1: to tell you, but I've been driving this little rental, I don't even remember what it's called. Is it a Ford Escape? Ford Escape. Yeah, this little Ford Escape while my truck is in the shop uh, indefinitely. <laughs>
2: indefinitely.
1: And, um, you know, in the back, we have all those safe passage toys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that we got to, to give for these, you know, kids in need and- um, Every time I go over like a speed bump, when I go to get coffee in the back, there's just chorus of like, <laughs> just like weird little whatever the I don't even I, I don't even know I, what kind of dolls they are, but they're talking back there.
2: I would love it mm-hmm. if I take those things. Actually, I have to take them today, yeah. and and then nothing's back there.
1: Oh my god! And then you find out that none of the dolls talk,
2: or that you still hear it like weeks oh, later. Oh,
1: that's not fun. Yeah, yeek. Okay, so another haunted doll tale. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, got a little bit of recent media coverage, which is cool. Uh, Not sure what to put this next one in. Uh, Oh, so this this
2: is another haunted doll? No, 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 I'm sorry.
1: Just referring to this last one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. So we just, yeah, told another haunted doll. Um, Not sure which category to put this next story in. Uh, Definitely gave me the chills, though, when I was working on it. Mm -hmm. I like this next story a lot. Um, Are you ready to hear it?
2: I am. Bring it.
0: Okay, great. Real quick, before I tell it, sponsor time. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. Thanks for listening
1: to our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. We appreciate it so much. Uh, The more you take advantage of their deals, the longer we can stay sponsored. Yes. All right, let's head back to college. Uh, Not really much setup for this one, so I'm just going to jump right in. Go for it. Time now for the tale of the screaming hallway. It was exactly the kind of getting-to-know-you exercise that Cooper hated. In his dorm hall, his RA sat on a couch while his new hallmates, about 15 guys and girls, sat on the floor in a circle. One by one, they had to go around and say their names, where they were from, what they planned on studying, a fun fact about themselves, all the kinds of information that Cooper had recycled since he'd gotten shown, uh, to get, uh, you know, shown up and began his college life the previous day, excited to start his freshman year. But before he could, he had to go through the same boring orientation with everyone else. Maybe he thought, as his hallmates gave their names and facts, he was just grumpy because he didn't have something cool to say. Cooper was from the suburbs, lived nearby, didn't know what he was studying. Didn't think he had any interesting facts. When it got to him, he said, I'm Cooper. Uh, I'm from about 20 minutes away. I don't know what I'm majoring in. And a fun fact about me, I've never been out of the country a single time. It was objectively a lame introduction to the rest of the group. Looking at the bored faces around him, he knew that, but at least he'd gotten it over with. And now the girl next to him was speaking. I'm Michaela, she said. I'm from around here too. I'm pre-med. And my fun fact is that I was supposed to start last year, but I had to take a year off. Why? Asked Cooper's new roommate, Alex. Alex was the kind of person who seemed to say whatever was on his mind with no regard to whether or not it was the right time or place to say it. Cooper didn't really know him well, but he seemed a bit off socially. He was supposedly super intelligent academically, an engineering major who came to college with two years' worth of credits he'd earned in high school, and Cooper had seen him move three computer monitors into their room the day before, but Alex didn't seem super socially intelligent. Not someone uh, he saw as having gotten out much. Kind of a long story, Michaela said, but my roommate passed away at the beginning of the year. Everyone looked at her, surprised. Your roommate, like, here? At this school? Zoe, a girl snapping bubblegum asked. Actually, we lived on the floor right above this one, Michaela said. Okay, maybe that's enough fun facts for now, their RA, a guy named Patrick said. Why don't we all head to bed for the night and start on a scavenger hunt across campus bright and early tomorrow? Cooper went back to his bedroom while Alex lingered in the hall. Alex didn't want to go to bed because it was barely 9 p.m. So instead of going to sleep, he uh, got on his phone. I'm sorry, Cooper didn't want to go to bed because it was barely 9 a.m. So he got uh, on his phone started scrolling. He got so lost in his videos that he didn't even notice at first when Alex came back into their room. It was about two hours later. Where have you been? Cooper asked. It seemed impossible from the looks of him that Alex would be making fast friends with Michaela. But maybe there was more to him than he thought. Maybe he hadn't given him enough social credit. I wanted to hear more about Michaela's thing, Alex said. Behind his glasses, he seemed to have kind of a dazed look in his eyes. Maybe Cooper was just imagining it, though, he thought. Alex had just traveled back from somewhere abroad. Uh, Maybe the time change was hitting him with some jet lag. Anything interesting? Cooper asked. Sort of, Alex said. He sat in his desk chair and rubbed his face. Michaela told me there's a particular hall upstairs that people around here call the Screaming Hall. Last year, she and her roommate lived right next to it. She said that people hear screams there at night sometimes and disembodied voices calling out or they claim to. Michaela's deaf in one ear, so it never really bothered her, she said, but her roommate was freaked out by it. Over the first few days of term, she stopped sleeping. Entirely. And then she, you know, Alex frowned, shaking his head. That's really sad, Cooper said. Yeah. Alex still had that strange, mystified look on his face. Cooper ignored it. It was finally around 11, a reasonable enough time to go to bed, so he started getting ready. They'd that Alex would have the top bunk, Cooper would take the bottom bunk. When they settled in that night, Cooper closed his eyes, tried to sleep, but a few minutes after they turned out the lights, he heard a sound. It was like a squeaking, or a quiet groaning. The bed was shaking a little, and Cooper could hear part of Alex's body, his hand or his foot, tapping against the wall. Tap, 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 tap. Was he actually? No. That was disgusting. No roommate would do that to anyone. Especially not on their first night together, would they? Now, it, it didn't sound like, you know, that. Then Cooper heard something else. Muffled wails? Is that what he was hearing? Or did he just think he was? Sounded like maybe Alex was having a bad dream. But they'd just only gone to bed. Who fell asleep that fast? Cooper shoved in some earplugs, tried to get to sleep. Over the next few weeks, this would happen again, off, on and off. Every couple of nights, he'd wake up to hear Alex having some kind of dream, he hoped. Once he tried to ask Alex about it, Alex just stared at him like he wasn't speaking English. Eventually, he said, I don't have weird dreams. I don't even remember my dreams. Cooper chalked up the strange noises he heard and his anxiety over them to the stress of starting off in college. A few weeks later, Cooper was in the library when his phone started ringing. It was around 1 in the morning, and glancing at the screen, Cooper saw that it was an unknown number. He wondered if it was someone he'd given his number to for some group project or something. Avoiding the irritated looks of the other people studying, he ducked into the lobby and answered it. Ragged panting came over the speaker. Then, to his surprise, he heard Alex's voice. I'm scared, Alex whimpered. Can can you come back? Scared of what? What's going on? Nothing. I, I, I don't know, Alex gasped. It's just so dark. Please come back. Go wait in the hallway, Cooper said. I'll be there soon. Please come back, Alex muttered. It's so dark. Please come back. And abruptly, the phone call ended. Cooper frowned at the blank screen. This was so strange. He'd hardly spoken to Alex in the last few weeks. And he knew that Alex's uh, he had Alex's number saved because he'd done it on the first day in case either of themselves got locked out of the room. So why hadn't the number shown up as being from him? Cooper walked quietly back to their dorm, not even stopping at the convenience store, even though he'd missed dinner dining hall hours while he'd been studying. He still didn't know Alex well, but if the guy was having some kind of mental breakdown, he wanted to be there for his roommate. When he got to his floor, Alex wasn't in the hall. Then just before he entered his room, he ran into Michaela. Hey, Cooper said, have you seen Alex recently? She shook her head. No, I've been in the lounge for the last couple of hours too. If you left your room or came back, I would have seen him. Okay, weird, Cooper said, heading for their room. Everything okay? Michaela asked. Cooper ignored her. His mind was reeling. What was going on? He tried to punch in his key code to the dorm room, but the light kept flashing red instead of green. It wouldn't let him in. Alex, he called. Alex, are you in there? No response. He tried the code again. Red. Alex! Alex! Cooper was screaming now. Finally, the code lock flashed green, and the door swung open. Alex was sitting at his desk with his headphones in. Alex! At Cooper's last shout, Alex finally took his headphones off, stared at Cooper and Michaela. Did you just call me? Cooper demanded. Like ten minutes ago? Uh, yeah. Oh, Yeah, I guess I did, Alex said, looking from Cooper and then to Michaela, strangely. This was all so weird. He'd sounded so freaked out, just ten minutes earlier, on the verge of a breakdown. Now he's acting like he'd already forgotten he called. He seems totally fine. And why is he looking like that at Michaela? Sorry about that, he added. I... I just got kind of freaked out here alone. I was listening to some music to try and calm down is all. Cooper was relieved, kind of. Maybe he was right about Alex at first. Maybe this guy was just super awkward. But that explanation didn't feel totally right. After a few minutes, Michaela said she was going to bed, and Cooper and Alex quietly played a video game for about an hour or so before they two went to bed. Both of them were exhausted, but Cooper stayed awake until he heard Alex's breathing change from light and fast to deep and heavy. Cooper couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned, fading just a little into sleep before he was then yanked back to consciousness. Around 4.30 in the morning, he heard a sound. Tap, tap, tap. It was that fucking tapping again. Sounded like maybe Alex's foot was repeatedly hitting the wall. But then as Cooper listened, the tapping grew louder. The bed frame was shaking now. If Alex was shaking in his sleep and hitting the wall with his foot, he was surely hitting it hard enough to wake himself up. Cooper sat up in bed. That's when he heard Alex's voice, clear as day, ask, Do you want to go to the screaming hallway? (gasps) What? Cooper replied. He figured that if Alex was sleep-talking, he wouldn't reply with anything intelligible to Cooper's question. But then he heard Alex say, You heard me. No, I don't want to go to the stupid screaming hallway, Cooper said, resisting the urge to groan into his pillow. It was only after he said that that he realized that he heard the voice and the sound of Alex snoring simultaneously. Shit. And then, holy shit... Cooper thought he saw something. Movement. He thought he saw something in the room with them. His eyes flew open. He looked all around his bed. It looked normal. Maybe it had been a trick of his hearing, hopefully. His, his periphery of his vision? No. No, he saw it again. This time he got a better look. A blurry black figure climbing down from Alex's bed. Cooper watched with wide eyes as his brain screamed Holy shit! Holy shit! What the fuck is happening? The figure slunk to the other side of the room and then melted through the wall. Something had been in there with them. Something on Alex. Cooper jumped to his feet, wrenched the door open, peering down the hall. Nothing. The figure was gone. Cooper! Alex's uh, groggy voice came from the bed behind him. What's going on? What did she do to you? Cooper demanded, looking wildly around the room. It was such a small dorm room, it would have been impossible to hide anything in it. But he went to the other side of the room anyway, resisting the urge to pull open the drawers and rip down the curtains. What did she do to you, Alex? What did who do to me? Michaela, he said. What did she do? What did I do when? A voice came from their doorway. Oh, boy. It was Michaela. I heard you guys talking and wanted to see if everything was okay. But if I'm not wanted, I know you told him about the screaming hallway, Cooper said. Had Michaela really just been awake and down the hall? Had she already been next to their room? What was going on? Michaela frowned. Yeah, I told him a dumb story about a college superstition. What's wrong with that? I know you did something to him, Cooper said. When you talked to him that first night, he hasn't been right since. How do you know that? Michaela said. You didn't even know him before. You don't know anything about him. I just know. Cooper insisted, and he did. Something was going on between Michaela and Alex. He didn't know exactly what it was, but he just knew. And he knew it was bad. It just clicked in his head that night that she was behind all this weirdness somehow. She looked at him, deadly serious. With a small smile, she said, "'Sounds like someone needs to visit the screaming hallway.' Then she burst into laughter. Behind Cooper, Alex giggled. "'What?' said Cooper. "'What the fuck? Why would you say that? How is that funny?' Michaela rolled her eyes. "'Calm down. It was a joke.' She looked at them, both flat and unamused. I gotta go finish some homework. Bye. Cooper couldn't concentrate the next day. His reading assignments silence for class looked like gibberish, and it wasn't from lack of sleep. His brain kept coming up with questions and providing zero answers. What was the screaming hallway? What was Michaela's creepy connection to it? And what was that thing he saw climb down from Alex's bed? He needed to get to the bottom of all this. Standing up in the middle of a lecture, he left amid curious looks and Googled the name of his college plus the words Paranormal Encounters. It turned up a few forms in which people had claimed to go ghost hunting. One particular account caught his eye. I know why they call it the Screaming Hallway, the post read. It used to be a tradition back in the day that people would get together in that hallway to let loose a little tension before exam season. They would all meet together in this hallway and just scream, let it all out. As it got to be more well-known, more and more people would go there just randomly or by themselves to scream, often at night. It became more of a prank than any type of stress reliever after a while. One year, people heard a young woman screaming, and everyone figured it was just another person trying to let off a little steam. She screamed and screamed. None of the people living nearby came out of their rooms Mm. to help. When they left their rooms the following morning, they found the young woman disemboweled practically, Mm. laying on the hallway floor. No one was ever caught for killing her. After that, some ghost hunter types claimed that dark forces dwelled in the screaming hallway. And then all kinds of people started hearing things and seeing things. I read someone's post who said they won't bother you if you make a pact with them. Those who refuse to make a pact? Well, I guess I don't have to tell you what happens to them. But honestly, I think the people who do make the pact with them have it worse. Supposedly, if you make it, you have to kill someone else and contribute to the screaming hallway if you don't want to die. Cooper felt a chill run down his spine. What the fuck? He would have normally thought this whole thing was stupid nonsense. Just ridiculous folklore, people telling crazy stories to feel cool. But he'd seen that damn shadow. He'd seen it clearly. And he'd been hearing these muffled wails and the tapping. He knew it wasn't just all dreams. or was imagination. And he knew it all connected to Alex and Michaela somehow. He thought about Alex's strange phone call. When he'd sounded so scared, he thought about his connection to Michaela and about what had happened to her first roommate the year before. Suddenly, he was worried about Alex. He felt like he was in danger. That shadow, uh, was it the thing rocking their bed? What it had been doing to Alex? He had to get back, had to save Alex from whatever it was that had a hold on him. When he made it back to his dorm, standing just outside of the building, looking up at the floor above his, he swore he saw a dark shape move between windows. Even though the windows belonged to rooms separated by thick walls. It was a thing from his room that night. He knew that's what he had just seen. He went in, pressing the button for the elevator with a shaking hand. The numbers blinked as he went up. Second floor, third floor. As soon as the door slid open, he felt an overwhelming sensation come over him. He felt as if he had no control over his body. Was he shaking? Something was rattling. Then he looked down the hall and saw Alex and Michaela standing in the middle of the hallway. Incredibly, the dark figure he'd seen moments earlier now lurked behind them
2: oh man
1: you made it Michaela said we knew you would <sighs> what the fuck is that Cooper demanded Michaela grinned and then said something that chilled Cooper to his core that's my roommate oh god then the lights flickered and went out oh god Cooper heard the screaming before he realized he was screaming too it was so loud slamming against his eardrums he had to get out of there he turned and started to run then felt like he slammed into a wall when he stuck his fingers out to feel it the wall wasn't there where the hell was he? Was Alex trying to give him to that dark entity? Was Michaela trying to give Alex to it? Where did this all end? He fumbled at a door, praying that it was the staircase, wrenched it open. He could hear Michaela's screaming laughter behind him and Alex's giggle They were gaining on him. Go, 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 go. He wrenched the door open, grateful for the light that spilled out across the floor before. Bam! The door slammed onto his hand. He cried out in pain and then heard Michaela behind him. Go on, Cooper. Scream. Let it all out. Fuck you, Michaela. He groaned, throwing himself into the staircase. The pain in his hand Stung, but adrenaline was flooding through his body as he scrambled down the stairs. When he burst outside into the quad, he was surprised to see that it was still sunny, the middle of the day. He'd made it away from them. But what about Alex? Even though Alex was with Michaela and had just helped her chase him, he was still worried about him. Mm -mm. Alex was still with that thing. Cooper scrambled for his phone. Should he call 911? What the hell was he going to say to them? Should he call his dad to come pick him up? What do you do in a situation like this? Before he could make a decision, something from an upstairs window caught his eye. It was Alex. Oh, shit. He was standing in front of the window. He crawled out onto the ledge. (gasps) Oh, no. And then he fell. As he heard a few other students scream as he watched some of them run towards Alex's not moving body, he glanced back up at the window he'd fallen from. Michaela, Michaela, grinning, now moving away from the window, the shadow with her. Cooper called his dad. He needed to get away from campus. He needed to get away from all of this right now. The next day, the story of Alex's untimely death ran in the newspaper. And then he got an email that there was a mandatory assembly about suicide prevention and mental health for all students. Cooper didn't go, for obvious reasons. He got permission from his professors to take a week off and stay home. A few days later, he was eating a bowl of cereal at the kitchen counter when his phone rang. No. Another unknown number. He picked it up. Hello? You don't have to leave, you know. It was impossibly Alex's voice. This time he didn't sound scared. He sounded strangely happy. Cooper felt like he was going to pass out. He felt dizzy. This was impossible. But impossible or not, Alex kept speaking. You gave them me. Michaela already gave them her roommate. I didn't give anyone to anything. I'm never coming back to that place, Cooper spat. Please, come back. Alex's voice now turned into a growl. It hardly sounded like Alex's voice at all. Please come back. Come back. Come back, Cooper. You don't have to leave. You gave them me. Cooper hung up the phone with trembling hands. How could he ever go back now? He was going to have to transfer. That's exactly what he did. He never went back to that campus, let alone his old dorm. His dad swung through and grabbed his things. And he's been haunted by what happened to him ever since. Sometimes he wakes up in the middle of the night to the sound of tap, 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 tap. And every so often, while he never called again, he still wakes up to the sound of Alex's voice. Come back! Come back, Cooper! You gave them me! The end.
2: Yeah. I knew Michaela was the trouble. Yeek. I was suspicious of her from the get-go. And I, I, oh, just something about her.
1: Yeah, that was, a good, that was an interesting story, right? Mm-hmm. It just felt different than that. I think. Uh, it doesn't remind me of any of the stories we've told before.
2: I was thinking that Michaela and Alex were working together to kill mm-hmm. Cooper. I was not expecting Alex to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, No pictures associated with this, you know, anonymous posting. Okay, but but looking for images for screaming hallway led to images of women screaming, weird, uh, which led to pulp horror pinup art, which led to this picture. I just thought it would look cool, like like an old horror, you know, like a pulp fiction kind of cover.
2: Yeah, old
1: pulp novel cover. Cover.
2: No pinup element, but. Yeah, I guess. I mean, just a
1: little bit. Her figure. I mean, it's from that era. I guess she's not wearing, you know, traditional pinup clothes, but she's wearing like.
2: Well, there's nothing. I don't. I don't find this photo to be sexy. Yeah, yeah.
1: The skeleton's arm is pinning her up.
2: Nice. He is. He's going for a little butt action.
1: That's funny. The, I didn't even notice that skeleton's. Yeah, holding her up there.
2: He's like, here you go. Here's a gift. <laughs>
1: And then um, this next one, just looking again for something that related to this, I just found a GIF of uh, a woman in a hallway that reminded me of this story. Okay. So, yeah, this very uh, shadowy thing coming out of the floor there. Oh, yeah. I just pictured, like, them looking, like, uh, Cooper looking down the hallway and seeing Michaela and Alex standing there and some little figure like that behind them.
2: I mean, when you really think about dorms, they are Inherently, kind of creepy.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. I, I was thinking about that doing this story where, you know, like I had a, a random roommate my first freshman right. year. Right? Or my freshman year. My first my freshman, first freshman, freshman year.
2: year. Did you have more than one I freshman year? I had several
1: year? freshman years. Uh, no. Explains a lot. <laughs> my freshman year in college, and just that premise is odd mm-hmm. where you Two are. Two
2: random fucking strangers. And
1: sharing like a bunk bed with a complete uh-huh. stranger.
2: Yep. When I went to college, uh, because I went to like a private liberal arts school, mm-hmm. they didn't have on-campus housing. Okay. So the student housing were apartment complexes, like that the school had made contractual deals with these apartment complexes. Yeah. So there, in my apartment, there were three of us. And it's like, this is so weird. Like, So one person paid more to have a single. And then, yeah. you know, my roommate and I, Kat, we had... We shared a room. it's like we're each like in a single bed, sleeping side by side, <laughs> sharing a bathroom. Like uh-huh. it is so bizarre.
1: I went to an old school dorm or stayed in an old school dorm, uh, Gonzaga, when I went. Everything's been upgraded in the year since. Yeah. But when I went, it was just a tiny room, uh-huh. uh, no bathroom. Uh, I don't even think we had a sink in our room.
2: Probably not. Most and, dorms don't.
1: Yeah, and, and it was. And my roommate was an ESL student. Oh right. Uh, who was kind of early in his ESL journey? So um, he's from Japan. Barely spoke English. Um. So I'm just, like, sleeping directly above a dude I don't know who barely speaks the same language. How and drunk
2: that, How drunk were you? Like, did you terrorize him? I feel like you probably did.
1: Uh, He bought us beer. He we he ended up being older than 20. He spoke enough English. He was a uh, Sugi. Sugi was nice. Nice dude. That's, he was, he was I, gone a lot. Were you nice, no,
2: Sugi? I. <laughs> I just can't imagine you being a good roommate because I uh, know the no. post-dorm mm-hmm. roommate stories of the yeah. shit that you and no, your friends was not, did. No, I was
1: not great. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then <laughs> I, I just had too many. I had people over all the time. Yeah. And I was drunk a lot. Sounds so, right. So I'm sure that was not ideal for him. And then the, and then the, yeah, but then the bathroom situation and showers was like communal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You it's know, like, for our. For it's our like a floor. public bathroom almost. <laughs> right. You walk down there with your caddy and your flip mm-hmm. flops. And yep. it's like, good luck. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, though, just thinking about it. I mean, college is such an interesting social experiment. If you <laughs> yeah. will. I actually think dorm living is so good. It because, forces
1: you to have to, you know.
2: Yeah, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to overcome some things. You know, like if you're embarrassed about your body, it's like oh, yeah. you have to deal with that, right? And that, yeah. you know, for better or worse. I mean, yep. I, I'm sure that there's a negative to it about, you know, creating more issues over issues you might already have. But like, you know, yeah. everybody's got a body. It's okay. Right? You know, and I mean, I'm so comfortable with bodies. So yeah. I I, I wasn't I from at first, d- yeah.
1: but I got way more comfortable as time went on there. Like, I remember it took me a while, but I got used to just, like, being naked around this other dude, masturbating and not caring, you know, like, that I he was this, there. I
2: knew that's where you were going <laughs> immediately. Damn I, it, I
1: was, I, mask, I, I, was, I was trying to mask. I was trying to set it up better.
2: I was trying to let it go so that the oh. audience could enjoy it, but mm. I already knew
1: what was happening. You already knew that I was going to talk about doing something ridiculous?
2: Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But I do. And then the, I think, too, like, about living with a random roommate is that if you have weird quirks or tics. Yeah. Someone's going to be like, dude, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Hopefully they're going to call you out on it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope
2: so. I I really hope so. Yeah. Cause I know for sure I got called out. It was like, why do you do that? It was like, Oh, sorry. I didn't know I was doing that. (laughs) You know?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I should have gotten called out. More than I than I did. I was. Oh,
2: I can yeah. call you out now if you psych, want. I
1: was a psychopath. My my following year was. Uh, that's a whole. I don't want to derail this episode, but yeah, <laughs> my sophomore year. It's just like how was how was I not expelled?
2: Oh boy, oh they they boy.
1: considered it, but they should have. Looking back, I should have definitely been tossed out of college.
2: Well, you know, another day, another story. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my God. Well, now at least like when our kids go to college, if we get any weird phone calls from the dean of like, hey, it won't be about Kyler. It'll be about Monroe.
1: Yeah, and who knows? Please. Who knows?
2: Kyler loves rules.
1: I know. That I know. boy lucky. loves rules. I know. I like it.
2: I, I don't. I wish he'd break him a little bit. He, that kid won't even jaywalk.
1: <laughs> he can loosen up a little bit. He gets so mad just, at me. I just don't want him to become who I was. Well, he I might, he might not have, He might not get as lucky.
2: I, I think he's going to be okay. I think Monroe's also going to be okay because they helped me. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> okay, who are you squishing on this week? Layla. Oh, man, I got a message uh, on, uh, oh, my God, Patreon. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, I hope Dan is still calling you Skull Squeezy.
1: You skull remem- Squeezy. Do you remember
2: that way early uh, on? Oh, yeah. It's like, we were something skull like,
1: Squeezy dried out.
2: It was like my rap name or something.
1: Oh, I was calling you that. Yeah, but I remember the little Skull guy. He He's behind dra- you. Yeah, he kind of dried out. He's not squishy.
2: Oh, eek. Okay, well, are you ready to hear about... Possibly bringing something home with you, yeah. What what do you think like about that? Do you think that if you go somewhere and there's negative energy, you can bring that home with you? Like, a, do you think you can bring an attachment home with you? I mean, there's
1: lots of stories about it. So if I'm if you know, in my less skeptical moments, mm-hmm. sure. If I'm going to be open to like you know haunted places yeah. and, and possessions, it feels like it fits in that wheelhouse. And again, there are so many. It's a terrifying thing to think about. That you mm-hmm. just bring something with you. But I mean, lots of stories.
2: I think about the fact that after I interact with someone, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you and I joke that I'm so spongy. Yeah. That I, I, you know. Oh, I, yeah, I could see that. I totally pull on other people's energy. So like. Right. When I would hang out with Dina Bobina, I would come home and I would be on Fire because her mm-hmm. and I are so sassy together.
1: Yeah, be extra sassy, pepped up.
2: Right, and and I would come home with that. But if if you're, you know, so I just right.
1: And then like if you're hanging out with me, you're like a really good person and like you know and just a, a bright light in a dark world. You know.
2: Are you talking about someone else? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, if if energy, so to speak, can be absorbed and, yeah. and redistributed, I don't see why you can't bring something else right. with you. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, let's find out what happens to Christian and his family. Okay. Hey, Lindsay and Dan, my name is Christian, and I'd like to start off by saying I've been listening to Dan's comedy, Prepare to Feel Old, since I was 13. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Now I have grandkids.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I came over to Time Suck about a year ago and fell completely in love. I really enjoy the content the two of you are putting out with Scared to Death. Now, on to the story. My family is from southeast Oklahoma and being the creeps that we are we obviously have our own ghost hunting team we refer to as slaps and it consists of (laughs) my mom stepdad two uncles and myself. (coughs) Excuse me. At the time of this story I was just about 12. We were out really late joking around in some cemetery after hours. It was an Indian and war veteran cemetery in a small town called Crowder Point. Hmm. To get to get to it, you had to walk a quarter of a mile through thick woods, already making the journey a little bit spooky. We were running a flashlight test. We had our EMF reader, a camera or two, a digital recorder, and a couple other little things. Cool. We weren't really picking anything up, so we were getting ready to leave when out of nowhere, we were overwhelmed with the strong smell of cigarette smoke. We, we are panning the flashlight around and near the edge of the property there is an outline of a man wearing a hat smoking a cigarette at the time we just figured it was the caretaker waiting for us to realize he was there before he jumped our asses (laughs) being normal rational humans that we are we all scattered running in different directions we finally made it back to the truck out of breath and terrified we hopped in laughing about the turn of the turn of events and sped off over the next couple of weeks there were odd goings on in our house It started with footsteps. It sounded like there was definitely someone stomping through the house. Hmm. Because my sister and I were only kids, we would crawl into her top bunk and stay up all night. Shortly after this is when my younger sister started mentioning the man, who she described as tall, featureless, with a black hat and smoking cigarettes. I never really paid it any attention. But looking back, this is creepy because she wasn't with us at the cemetery to see that man that night. The footsteps and mentioning of the man continued on for weeks. Flash forward to a few more weeks later, we were all out at a local flower shop in town when my younger sister grabbed my arm and stared into the depths of my soul and said, the man is about to do something bad. I remember my stomach getting sick immediately and telling my mom we needed to go home. When we arrived, we found smoke spilling from our house. The fire was put out, and we all got a call two days later about what had caused it. A cigarette had been dropped into a flower pot on our front porch. It melted down the pot and eventually caught the house on fire. We didn't make the connection until a few months later when we had settled back into the house. It was normal at first. My sister had stopped mentioning the man, and there were no footsteps. Until late one night, I heard my little sister talking. I wiped the sleep out of my eyes and flipped over, seeing her standing in front of our closet. She was talking as if she was speaking to a friend, but it was so low, I couldn't make out exactly what she was saying. I asked her who she was talking to, and she responded, The man. This is the first time I remember experiencing genuine fear. I remember yelling something to the extent of, In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, leave this house. Shortly after we moved out, leaving the man behind, I'd like to clarify that my mom told us all about her experiences in the house. Our parents had consistently tried to convince us it was all in our heads, when all along they also were having experiences. Christian,
1: wow, isn't that weird? Yeah, I was just I was just flashing back and like my childhood, like if I would have seen my little sister Donna. Oh my god who who was kind of like a scaredy cat too yes and if i would have seen her in like the middle of the night standing in front of her closet speak out oh that would have freaked me out oh
2: my god God. i'm more freaked out smoking that's what freaks me out so you're at a cemetery Mm -hmm. and and christian doesn't mention it but i get the feeling that no one is a smoker
1: correct because otherwise they'd be smelled all the time yeah "Ah, i I assume you know what i mean so Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm.
2: to come home to your house on fire yeah and then to find out that it was from a cigarette butt,
1: and after yeah, after the thing in the cemetery, and then and, and then what his sister said about the smoking man. I mean, that's a that's a very troubling sequence,
2: right? I mean, very, very unlikely to just be coincidental, in right. my opinion, right? Right? Yeah,
1: that yeah, that one create me. That one definitely gave me the chills. Okay, well, good. We're gonna go
2: into one of your favorite topics ever. Dopp- I'm fascinated by this stuff. Okay, so this one, I don't want to give anything away, okay, okay. but I, I will just say that we're, we're going to visit our friends up north, and this story of the dot—it's a doppelganger for sure, in my opinion. But it has such a weird, spoopy element to it. Okay, it's, it's a very interesting little quality here. Okay, so here we go. Hello, King and Queen of the Suck, Joe H. C. Paisley. <laughs> And the script keeper. Uh, Yeah. My name is Zach, and I've been listening to Time Suck almost since day one, and I'm now binging all of Scared to Death, and I'm loving it. My commute is almost exactly the same length of an episode of the show, and when I get to work, I'm the one who turns on all the lights. Mm. This has become so much spookier since I've been listening to these creepy stories before entering a pitch black building before sunrise. Uh. Anyways, I have one short story of my own paranormal experience for you. I hope this is not too long, and I hope it's appropriately unsettling for you to read. I gave it a cheesy horror title for fun. My second sister. Hmm. Years ago, when I was about 11 years old, my family lived in a house in, in a small Alberta town. The house was entirely fine, and nothing unusual happened until our last year of living there when I started to see my sister in more than one place at a time. I have a sister who's six years younger than me, so at this time, she was just a little kid, even more so than I was, with an earlier bedtime and a very predictable schedule. I mention this because when I started to see her sitting in corners and wandering the halls after bedtime, it was extremely unusual and more than a little alarming. Both of my parents worked, so it was not unusual for the kids to be home alone. As the oldest, I took on a bit of a caregiver role and tried to be as attentive as possible to my little brother and sister and to make sure that things were okay for them. So the first time I saw my little sister seemingly crying in a doorway with her face in her hands, I naturally approached her asking if she was okay. She gave me no reply and just angled herself away from me. I asked her again if she was all right and reached out an arm in her direction to try and calm her down from whatever was going on. As I reached out, I heard her call my name from another room to ask if I could help her with a blanket fort that she and my brother were building. (sighs) Whatever I was reaching out for was not my sister. Oh, man. When I turned back to it, it had turned to face me, and it looked wrong. Like something had tried to draw my sister from memory, only having seen her a few times. Some details were just too big on her face. The spacing was imperfect, and her eye color was wrong, but then it just disappeared. But this was far from the last time I would see this thing. I would normally see it commonly sitting in corners, with its face obscured. Not like the Blair Witch style, standing in a corner Mm -hmm. facing away, but more like sitting with its back against the door frames when the doors were open, or against the outer corners of a room if doors were closed. I hope that description makes sense because everywhere it leaned against would be uncomfortable for most people to lean on, as there was always a pointed corner or a sharp edge in its back. While it was sitting, its face was always covered either by its hands, hair, or just from the angle. I asked my parents if they had seen it, and they told me that I had an overactive imagination, which could very well have been true, but it seemed like this thing was always appearing somewhere or other. It never took on other people's shapes, but it would frequently get the details wrong. I would be wearing, it would be wearing clothes my sister had outgrown, or have a length of hair she had recently gotten cut, almost like it was what? weeks or years out of date with who it was trying to emulate. As the year progressed, I started seeing it moving. It would still be mostly sitting, but I would occasionally catch it walking down the hall or standing near the kitchen table. It would never appear if my sister was in the same room and rarely if my brother or parents were in the room, though it would vanish much faster if anyone but me was around. When we moved out, it did not follow. We were friends with the people who bought the house from us, and I babysat their kids occasionally throughout my high school years, and I would occasionally see it then. But it was shaped like a young toddler girl like the girl I was babysitting. Again, with some mistaken details, it moved like an adult, coordinated and steady, and spent much more time looking at me and at the other kids before vanishing again, always hiding its face. I never felt in danger from this thing, but it freaked me out. Yeah. For years after, I would hesitate walking anywhere alone at night in the house just for fear of running into this thing. I have since moved to a different city and have only told a few people about this, not even my brother, since he did not believe me when I mentioned it when we were younger. But I needed to share this story with someone because I feel that twinge of fear when I hear footsteps in my house or see movements in the corner of my eye. I have no idea if my brother has since thought about this, but I know he listens to the podcast. Hey, Gabe, keep an (laughs) eye out for misshapen clones of our sister or whatever that thing was. Thanks for taking the time to read this. I hope it was creepy enough to make it on the show. And thanks again for making my boring work days so much spookier. Zach. Zach,
1: man, thank you. Like a yeah, those, shape-shifting uh,
2: doppelganger. Uh, <laughs> How weird is that that it, like, takes on the shape of his sister, they move out, and then it takes on the shape of the new little girl in the house. What the fuck? Right. I was so freaked out by this. I never yeah. considered that as a possibility. I just always thought that, like, a ghost would be a ghost. <sighs> or whatever it is.
1: What, yeah, because that, that, that story, like, reminds me that I mean, if you're gonna, if we're gonna open up ourselves to the possibility of like one type of spirit entity yeah. that can't be proven, then you're opening opening up the possibility of an unlimited variety of things that could be out there. True, and this could just be a completely different entity type thing. And it, it reminds me, I, I was trying to think of it. There was a show on, <clears throat> excuse me, Netflix. I was watching for a while,
2: The Haunted Hill or something.
1: No, it was just called like Haunted, maybe just Haunted. I don't know. I can't remember, but it, but it, it, it really cool show where they would blend. I mean, similar kind of to what we do here, but it would be like uh, dramatic reenactments. So it's, oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they'd have you know somebody or a group of people telling the story, kind of like the My Stories, mm-hmm. and then uh, those stories would be reenacted. Actually, a producer reached out to us early on. Uh, to put oh, us a, to put yes. them in contact with some of our listeners.
2: Yeah, because, I remember. Yeah, I think it is just haunted.
1: I think, and, and there was one episode that freaked me out more than the others, and it was very similar to this, where there was something in the house. I think they called it the mimic, and oh. <sighs> yeah. that just
2: gave me the chills all over.
1: And it would just mimic. Uh, it was more auditory, but it's like you know. Uh, they would hear distinctly with several roommates living in this house. And they would hear distinctly somebody, one of the other roommates talking to them. Mm-hmm. They'd go into that room. Nothing would be there. God. And then they would find out later that person wasn't even home at that time.
2: Full body chills.
1: Yeah. And that that little creepy thing uh-huh. taking on various shapes. That's so. And, and for some reason, that really, yeah, I, I've had the goosebumps for so long now. Because what it makes it creepier that it doesn't look exactly like the person. Right. Like that it's like a Kapoor imitation. Uh-huh.
2: And I like how he- Oh,
1: that's a really good one.
2: I like the way that Zach calls out the detail of like, you know, my sister would have gotten her hair cut, but then the doppelganger <sighs> like, wouldn't. Yeah. Or like the clothes were just like, you know, clothes she had outgrown.
1: Mm-hmm, like it was delayed.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, I just imagine and yeah. then when he talks about the spacing, like I imagine the eyes being like too God. far apart, the mouth being too big.
1: God, that is creepy. It
2: is fucking creepy. That one's going to linger with you. I had a hard time sleeping last night.
1: I mean, just imagine if you saw me, but not me.
2: Oh, God. I know. I know. What the fuck? I know. And I've been staying up so late recently just because of some work stuff. And like after this story last night, I almost didn't come to bed because I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. It was 2 a.m. And I knew I needed to go to sleep. But also... I was so scared. Like, what if I got into bed and, and I roll you rolled over, over? But it's not me. And like, what, what if, <laughs> oh my god. What if like your your five your beard you're growing back was gone? What if it was back oh. to just mustache? Like something very obvious. And my eyes were the wrong color, mm-hmm. Or they were just like a little too far apart or a little too close mm-hmm. together. I mean, I've been staring at your face for over eight years. It's like I mm-hmm. know what your face looks like.
1: Right, majestic. If I had to pick a word. Okay,
2: so do you want to move on?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, let's go on to the next, to the oh, next Nothing story. but love
2: here. Nothing but mm-hmm. love. Um, okay, well, so also, like, I, I feel, you know, I kind of said this before, but each of these stories feels like something we've heard before with a mm-hmm. little twist. You know? Yeah. The attachment, you know, kind of a weird situation. The shape-shifting doppelganger. Uh-huh. This is a sleep paralysis story. And I know, I understand that there is scientific proof about why this right. happens. That it's like this weird in-between yeah, when you're sleeping, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But this story... Makes me question either if this person is either not experiencing sleep paralysis and this is something entirely different. Yeah. Or if we don't know as much as we think we know about sleep paralysis. Okay. Okay. So they really presented a lot of questions for me. And I think that you've mentioned before that you had like one sleep paralysis incident. Have we talked yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. Like, was like very was, brief.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Or maybe it might have been a few, but yes. I, I, actually, I, I've, I've had several like really quick, but, but never with like a shadow entity. Yeah. Never that, mm-hmm. but just that um, wanting to move and not being able to. Right. Like being trapped in between like wake and sleep. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: What do you think you would do if you had an episode? I oh. saw something. <laughs> I could see like the deflation in your face. Oh, that
1: would really suck.
2: I would, I would re- really fuck you up. I mean,
1: even then, I've like, you know, studied like the sleep paralysis, you know, stuff yeah. looked in, or looked into studies and I'm familiar with, you know, why what it the studies happens. say, yeah. what happens, a certain part of your brain that they've like, you know, uh, stimulated during experiments to uh, specifically create the uh, sensation of seeing a shadow entity, n- you know, near the person.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. so, so
1: they'll have like a little electrodes, or whatever. They'll, they'll stimulate this one part of the brain. And then later when they talk to the person, they'll report, a, you know, seeing. Uh, a shadow entity like hovering right around them. Right. So they've done a lot of that. All that being said, Uh I wouldn't care if it happened to me. I'd be like, don't care about the studies. What the fuck?
2: Mm, Well, this is going to give you a big, what the fuck? I think. Hello, I just wanted to say I appreciate what both of you are doing time suck hooked me to Dan's angelic perfectly enunciated informative episodes
1: no sarcasm there
2: (laughs) And Lindsay brings a whole new refreshing (laughs) dynamic to the mix while keeping the suck master in check.
1: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Nice.
2: Okay Uh, This might be a little bit long as I try to piece everything together in my head and bring it to words The story is very personal for me and I've not told anyone this story in such detail I have always lacked the courage. Hearing all of the my stories has brought me to reach out. I don't feel so alone. Cool. You know? Also, please forgive grammatical errors. Don't worry, I fix them. I guess I start my story as a child between the ages of seven and nine, when I lived in my grandmother's house. It was a three-story house, and to this day, still gives me the chills when I think about it. My bedroom was on the main level, connected to the dining room. I had a big wooden door, and outside the door to the right was the kitchen that had a very dark doorway that led to a very narrow stone staircase to the basement. The basement was very, very dark. Half the floor was cracked and the cement was broken, showing dirt from the ground underneath. It was overall very dark, dirty, damp, and cold. Basically, in itself, was food for nightmares for any child. I remember my first encounter with sleep paralysis. I remember opening my eyes and seeing the big wooden door cracked open, revealing the darkness from the rest of the house. I remember how scared I was because I could not move any part of my body, but I could feel something. I could feel something staring at me. I could feel actual eyes looking at me, and I knew that it came from the darkness. I fought and fought and moved my hand, and as soon as I did, I snapped out of it and was completely awake. I laid there crying until I fell back asleep, sadly, but that was only the beginning. A few nights later, as I was sleeping, I woke up to sleep paralysis again, but this time I darted my eyes around in a panic, and I saw it. My wooden door was completely open, and standing in the doorway was a man. He was tall and slender, and he was wearing a long coat. He had kind of a short top hat, if that makes any sense. He had no eyes, only black holes. His outstretched long arm very slowly extended a finger that pointed at the direction of the kitchen, which led to the basement. I woke up screaming and ran through the house like I was being chased by the devil into my mom's room where I slept in her bed. The next day, my sister told me she had had a bad dream about the basement before I had run through the house screaming. She said she was standing at the top of the stairs, looking down the steps, and she heard the sounds of children laughing and saw a jump rope flailing around and slapping the walls in the floor on the floor in a very chaotic, violent fashion. After that, I didn't see him again or anything for quite some time. I suffered through years of sleep paralysis before the next big event. I was 16 and was living with a friend. I had shit parents and been on my own since I was 14. I was sleeping... Oh, and I was sleeping when sleep paralysis kicked in. As I laid there helpless and vulnerable, I felt someone lean over my bed. I felt them. I felt the way the air changes a little when someone moves into your bubble. I felt a face come down close to mine. I was too scared to open my eyes, and then I heard it whisper my name, Paul, in my ear. I felt the wind from the pee as if someone's lips were close. It was so clear. I woke up in a panic and freaking out. My roommate got up, turned on the lights, and he was freaked out for his own reasons. I was telling him what happened, and he said, Dude, before you started freaking out like a maniac, I woke up, but I couldn't move. All I could see in the darkness were a pair of eyes. Eyes calling to me like it wanted me to give up. It said its name was Lilith, and as I was just about to give in, you started yelling. We decided to never bring this up again because, I mean, come on, this is crazy. Fast forward to my late 20s. My sleep paralysis went on and off, but nothing too drastic until it became physical. I started waking up to scratches on my shoulders, as if someone took a small safety pin and scratched three claw-like marks into each shoulder. I laughed them off because I obviously did that somehow, right? Right. This went on and off for months until one night I woke up to sleep paralysis and my eyes darted to the corner of the bed and I saw this face, his hat, his hatless old bitter face. It was at the side of my bed and it was screaming at me in a very guttural voice. I couldn't make out the words, but they felt so wrong. The hate in those words was very clear. I finally broke I finally broke and opened up to a friend about it, and she gave me a little medallion she had gotten from Bolivia. I wore it on a silver necklace, and after that, everything seemed to stop. No more sleep paralysis, no more scratches, nothing. This lasted for days. It was peace. One morning, before I jumped in the shower, I looked at the medallion and thought, I'm crazy, this mumbo-jumbo is dumb, and I took it off. I jumped in the shower, like normal, but when I got out and dried off, I noticed three little pinprick scratches on each shoulder. I wore the necklace every day for months and months, until one morning, I woke up to sleep paralysis again, this time in my one-bedroom shitty apartment, and something felt like it had come over me again. Something was watching me. I fought and fought to wake up. Nothing worked until I heard the fluttering of wings— I woke up to see a crow in my room perched on the window. I yelled like a 12-year-old girl and <laughs> got the, as I got the courage to get out of bed and fight this thing to get it out of my apartment. I grabbed towels and a broom, opened my door, and swatted and motioned with the broom for it to get out. After about 20 minutes, it flew out and was gone. I looked through my apartment and found no possible way for that bird to get in. Windows all had screens, and they were all closed. As I was picking up from that, I noticed the necklace I had been wearing for over a year was laying in the corner of my room. The chain had been broken. Later that evening, I got a text from my upstairs neighbor that there was a dead bird outside of my door. Sure enough, the crow came back and it was dead, lying in front of my apartment door. I'm not sure what any of this means. I know I have left things out because this is long enough as it is, but it feels good to get it out in some sense, I suppose. As I started working up the courage to write in after I heard that first episode, my sleep paralysis came back. And last Friday, I woke up to the scratches once again what? on each shoulder. Thank you both again for doing what you do. Look forward to all the stories in the coming decade. Paul.
1: Paul, man, that is terrifying. Right? If you're waking up to like physical scratches. And I kept trying to think. It's like, you know, I'm just don't quote me, I guess, on this. because I'm just pointing from here. But I feel like. Uh, three scratches comes up a lot in like demonic uh, oppression type, you know, tales. Okay. Uh, sometimes possession, I don't know why, but but, it, but there is that like the claw marks, the, the scratching, the three, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That it comes up a fair amount. And then early on that, uh, the first time he saw the apparition with the hat mm-hmm. pointing, it's interesting that the, the, the tales of the hat man uh, cross different cultures. Yeah. And, you know, span uh, different, you know, uh, as far as span pretty pretty good length of time we don't know how far they go back mm-hmm. but it's just so weird i was just, I, I was just my mind kept drifting during that story to like god what if cuz you can go two two routes with that you can mm-hmm. do like well you know people keep seeing the same dude with the hat because one person saw it and it inspired the imagination of the next person domino effect blah 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 right or again going back to what we were saying earlier about there could be a variety of different entities out mm-hmm. there what if this fucking thing is there's this Weird thing out there mm-hmm. that does have a hat for whatever reason. Who cares? Right. And a dark shape. Oh, man. And then just the scratches then also made me think of multiple reportings. I, I, would, uh, I, I would be seeing a priest or somebody yeah. if I was Paul.
2: Yeah, Paul. I hope that you're getting help for this because I think that it is – more than sleep paralysis.
1: Yeah, I, I would want to go talk to somebody mm-hmm. who, who deals with the paranormal space. Because basically, because like, why not? Right. If, if you're already experiencing some type of physical manifestation or believe that you mm-hmm. are, what do you have to lose at that point? So I would say, I would say, don't be a Darren.
2: Don't be a Darren.
1: And wait. Go, yeah. go talk to somebody. Do some research.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, yeah, talk yeah. to, uh, yeah.
2: The the dead bird kind of freaks me out. The dead bird really got me because... The crow? I, well, it could have been any bird. It doesn't even matter to me that it was a mm. crow. I mean, it is particularly spoopy that it was a crow. Yeah, it is a crazy But bird. I have lived in apartments, many apartments. Mm-hmm. And when I think about, like, the apartment that we lived in, yeah. there is no way for a bird to get in.
1: Right, right. Right? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so.
2: I mean, we had a fireplace, but it was an electric fireplace.
1: Yeah, I don't think it accessed – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it never happened for sure.
2: Right. I feel like – did I have a bird in my apartment with Natasha at one point? Maybe, but it just it just feels like such a impossible occurrence. And then for it, to get it out and right. then for it to be dead at your door. Because also thinking about apartments. Okay, like a lot of the apartments that I lived in in L.A. were those ones that had like the exterior uh, – staircases Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but just think about our the last apartment we lived in for a bird to find Mm. its way like around the back of the building up the stairs down the hallway it's not (laughs) like i just don't get the feeling the way that paul tells this story i don't think that he's you know in a a two-story walk-up where there's a door that you know you can just access where it's like not a big deal that there's a dead bird that freaked me out and then the name lilith i don't know why i was like what does that mean (laughs) right
1: right what is that connecting to Yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know if it's like know. some
2: name that comes up frequently in the paranormal. I don't know. It just stood out to me and mm-hmm. I'm too chicken shit to look it up. <laughs> Cause I, I don't want to go down a dark hole.
0: It is like a demon.
2: I knew what?
1: it. Is. Are you yeah. are you being serious? Yeah, no, it is. Because I know that there's there's hardcore bands like in the metal world yeah. that use it all the time. Lilith? Yeah, I'll look it up. One sec.
2: Yeah, what? I, I knew that the name felt weird to me.
1: To me, it just reads like a like a Older lady name, like a, like a, like a woman's name that's, that's no longer popular. Maybe he's coming back now, you know, whatever. But, like, Gertrude. Like, Gertrude hangs out with Agnes and Lilith.
2: Oh, I love the name Agnes. So,
1: Lilith is a female demonic figure of Jewish folklore. No way. Her name you. and personality are thought to be derived from the class of big words I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Thank Joe. You, Joe. Okay. Yeah, I knew that the, I just – sometimes i have sneaking suspicions about things that i'm reading where i'm like oh buddy but i don't want to research it because i don't want more of that in my head it's already enough and i feel like i've gotten to such a good space in our show where i can handle a lot Mm -hmm. and i don't want to ruin that even though i know it's fun to kind of watch me crumble
1: (laughs) (laughs) good good stories yeah
2: really good right yep yep. Mm -hmm. yes 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 okay do you want to do some Shout-outs to our Annabelle. I do.
1: I do. I want to thank everybody for the reviews and ratings lately. I, I, I peep on to the, the ratings boards. How are time we doing? To time. We're doing good. We're doing good. People still like us? People seem to still like us, making okay, me feel like we're on uh, a, a good track. So that's very nice.
2: You know what I was excited about, actually, what? before you do your shout-outs, is all three of these stories are from 2019, because mm-hmm. we just have thousands of stories. I mean, it's yeah. so hard to, like, comb through them, and I just really so pick lucky. it random. Yeah. Oh, my God. So lucky. But I, you know... Because we made the book earlier this year, and I yeah. know that we're going to be doing it next year. When I am going to put your show on the, st- put your story on the show, yeah. I email right away as yeah. opposed to last year. Right, we did it backwards, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, your sh- your story is going to be shared, blah blah. But now with these people, I'm like, hey, are you still listening? Is it okay if we put this in the book? And all of these people are like, hey, still listening, oh, still here. Nice. I'm like, oh, oh yes. thank you.
1: We're doing our best to to keep to keep your attention.
2: We we appreciate your loyalty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, some Annabelle shout-outs. Thank you for being Annabelles and supporting the uh, the show on Patreon. We have Evan Williams, uh, Lacey Van Campen, Andrew, no last name given, Brianna Cooper, uh, Sally, Annie, and Aaron Ravanos, Sherry, Sierig, S-I-E-R-I-G-K. That, that seems Southeastern Europe to me. I
2: thought it was Surrogate.
1: Surrogate. Okay. Sherry. I, I feel confident with Sherry. Sherry. Uh, Tana or Tana Smith and Jenna Pritchett, Julie Ann, Christine, and Jessica Martin. Thank you all.
2: I would like to thank the Annabelles. Teresa Toth, David Embleton, Alex Willis, Robert Darnell Partridge. Good name. <laughs> Trevor Gordon, Lucas Ely, Karen E., George Mohawk Third, <laughs> Nice. Patricia McCos- McCoskey and Sarah Booker. And then I have, of course, have some spoopy shout-outs. Cool. Okay. A little bit of love to mom slash Jamie from your daughter, J.D. A little love to Nick from Alana. Love and happy last New Year's Eve before you get married to Jesse from Renee. Happy New Year's to Cooper and Casey Kelly from your mom, Tara. And sending love literally across the world to Jorge from Jess. He's in Utah while she is working in Kenya.
0: Wow, mm-hmm, okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And they use scared to death as something that they bond over, like oh, something to so share cool. across the miles.
1: I saw there was some family here in Coeur d'Alene that does work over in uh, Kenya, and there was like on the local paper. It was oh, the, really? Yeah, when I was getting coffee one it's morning. Like mission work? I th- yes, I think some, some missionary work.
2: I mean, I assumed that it was mission. I mean, not to be presumptuous, but between Utah and Kenya, I figured it was mission work. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, probably a good guess. Um, I really want to go there one of these days. Yeah, yeah let's do Kenya's it. Kenya's on my list of many countries I want to go to. Uh, so that's all for today. That's th- it. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan and uh, Logan Keith on social media, badmagicmerch.com for the design, Uh, email store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for story curation, Joe Paisley for producing and directing today, Zach Cohen for the custom sound beds, and Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. You can subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content, at Scared to Death Podcasts. And we have a private Facebook group that is growing Creeps and Peepers Over 11,000 members uh, Wow uh, Yeah Moving towards 12 That's uh,
2: awesome you guys That's to, so cool
1: Thanks to Liz Hernandez For moderating And if you want Monthly bonus episodes Merch discount Monthly horror movie club And don't want to hear ads Check out our Patreon Enjoy your nightmares Creeps and Peepers Happy New Year
2: Happy New Year
1: And hope you were scared to death
0: If spirits threaten
1: me in this place by water by water And fire by fire Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within, scared to death.